Hey everyone, this is Jason, and welcome to the Bold Moves Only podcast. For today's episode, I spoke with Leticia Landa, the Deputy Director of La Cucina, an organization in San Francisco that cultivates low-income food entrepreneurs focusing primarily on women from communities of color and immigrant communities. They provide affordable commercial kitchen space, industry-specific technical assistance, and access to market opportunities. La Cucina has opened over 30 brick-and-mortar restaurants, found national distribution for packaged products, and created hundreds of jobs in their communities. They have a cookbook called We Are La Cucina, Recipes in Pursuit of the American Dream, which I own and I've used many times and I highly recommend it if you're looking to up your game in the kitchen. But there's also a ton of incredible stories from these chefs and entrepreneurs. I personally have eaten at many La Cucina restaurants and they're all amazing. They're about to open up the La Cucina Municipal Marketplace on Hyde Street in San Francisco, which will be the country's first woman-led food hall. Leticia has been with La Cucina since 2008, helping them build up this great organization, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's get into it. Hi, Leticia. Welcome to the Bold Moves Only podcast. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you on the pod. I've been following La Cucina for years, and before we start... I'd like to give a special shout out to Hang Trang and Noodle Girl, a La Casina alum who were at UC Berkeley when I was there. And whenever I either needed a pick-me-up or if I was just feeling myself, having a good day, I would pick up a banh mi or a bowl of pho. <laughs> I miss those banh mis. It's a good, a good place to start. <laughs> yeah, those, those are, they were amazing. So you started at La Casina in 2008. You were the third employee at the time. Why did you get into La Cocina? That's such a good question. You know, I actually had read about La Cocina when I was in college still, and I knew I was moving out to San Francisco. And I thought, what a cool organization, you know, like just they're doing really interesting work, working with immigrant women, women of color in the food industry. I've always really liked food cooking. Um, I've, you know, I'd gone to culinary school before college just for a year and then worked in some restaurants. So I kind of had that background, had that interest and just thought it sounded like a cool organization, basically. And I, I mean, I guess I just, because I knew about them and I thought it sounded cool, I sort of sought them out. So Back when I first moved to San Francisco, which was 2007, La Cocina had a booth at the Ferry Building, which um, the Quesa Farmer's Market, we actually still do. And I would go on Saturdays and, you know, just like chat with the person who was there. And I bought some jam and, you know, some cookies and just wanted to support their work. And then I actually met the woman, Valeria, who was the executive director of La Cocina at the time at a holiday party. And I just was like, oh, how cool. Like, I love your organization. I love what it does. My parents are from Mexico, like, you know, I grew up here, but I just, you know, I really kind of understand all the different ways that you're, you know, doing social justice work through putting people into positions of business ownership. And, you know, we just kind of got to talking at that party and she, I mean, I guess, I don't know, she probably just recognized that I had all these different little pieces that kind of connected me to the work. And um, I originally offered to volunteer, which I actually tell people all the time, like, if you really want to get into social justice work, if you want to 
you know, make the switch to working in a nonprofit or you're just getting out of school and you're trying to figure that out. Like, I really think volunteering is a great way to, to get started. A lot of our La Cocina staff have started off as volunteers. <laughs> Caleb, who's the executive director, did. I did. Um, you know, just tons of people, right? Because it shows you're interested, it shows you're motivated, it shows you want to get involved. And so I had offered to her to volunteer because I really wanted to, you know, just do something and be useful. I thought, you know, I could translate, I could do, you know, whatever. And, um, and then she was like, I think you should work here. <laughs> so I, you know, gl gladly accepted, but it was kind of random, I guess, in that sense. Like I admired the organization, met her, and then got offered, you know, via volunteering a position. And can you explain the need for an organization like La Cocina that, that focuses primarily on women from communities of color and immigrant communities? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think that it's, there's so many things, right? Like, if you think across all of our communities or, you know, the U.S. or the world, talent is everywhere, right? Like there are people who are so smart or, you know, so talented at cooking or so, you know, so good at business or, you know, whatever it may be, that talent is all over. But when you look at what the business world looks like or what the food world looks like or really almost any industry, it's not really a reflection of the population, it's a reflection of like power, systemic power, racism, gender inequality, all of those things. So, you know, why are there so many more white males in positions of power? It has nothing to do with the fact that they're more talented. It just has to do with how our structures are and sort of who has had access to opportunities, who's had access to education, who's had access to these things. So, you know, I think that what La Cocina is really about, and lots of, you know, social and racial justice organizations is sort of looking at that and saying, that's wrong. And we need to, we need to fix that. <laughs> and how do you fix that is by specifically providing opportunities to people who have been left out, to people who have, whose talent hasn't been enough because of racism, because of sexism, you know, because of um, economic inequality. And so what you want to try to do is you know, what we've always tried to do at La Cocina is to provide access to resources, access to capital, access to, you know, the very best um, that a woman of color would otherwise not have access to in order to be able to let their talent shine. Because it's not about, it's not like a school. It's not like we're teaching anyone how to cook or we're teaching anybody, um, you know, something that they're not already like incredibly great at. We're really just providing, I think, access to the resources and to, um you know, the sales opportunities, et cetera, that they need in order to be able to thrive. I'm just kind of curious how hard it is in general to even start a business or a food business in San Francisco or the Bay Area. Hard. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think starting a business anywhere is hard because, you know, you most likely are doing something that a lot of other people are doing. I mean, certainly in the food industry, right? Like you have competition, there's, you know, it's, it's just, um, yeah, there's a lot of people who are doing what you want to do. And so you have to find a way to like make your things stand out, whatever business it may be. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's challenges and some of those challenges are sort of specific to the food industry. The food industry is a challenging industry to enter because it's crowded, because, you know, it's sort of trend driven. There's all, there's lots of reasons why that is. But then I think that there's also certain conditions that make entrepreneurship more difficult. Um, and San Francisco, the Bay Area specifically, 
is very, very expensive. And so when you want to start your own business, there's a lot of risk associated with that. There's, you know, there's financial risk. Um, there's, you know, just not knowing if it's going to work or not. And it's harder to take those risks in a place where, you know, your sort of day-to-day bottom line is so, um, is so expensive. <laughs> right. And so I think that obviously it's a place where there's tons of entrepreneurship happening, particularly in the tech space. And so you can say, oh, well, it's a good place for that. Sure. But I also think that like for someone who is worried about where their next rent check is going to come from, you know, starting a business versus having, you know, a more steady job or, you know, an income that's more assured, that's a, that's a harder thing to do here specifically. You also at La Casina have built a lot of street cred. Like in my mind, if there's anything that's backed by La Casina, that's something I want to try. But how has La Casina transformed into what it is now from when you started? I, that's such a great question. And I so appreciate you saying that (laughs) because that's not how it was when we started. You know, I think honestly, it's by believing in the excellence of the people that we're working with and like never compromising on that. I think that, you know, oftentimes when someone thinks about a nonprofit, you know, that's working in the food industry, they think, oh, okay, great. Like if I need cheap food, (laughs) I'll go there. Or, you know, like this is a way to help instead of thinking about it as like, that's the best food or like, this is actually how things should be. And we've just, I don't know, we just sort of like decided that we were not going to go down that path and and that we were just always going to really focus on how important it is for people to recognize the talent that exists in communities of color and in low-income communities and that it's not anything that you should pay less for. And it's not anything that you should do because you want to help. It should, it's because it's delicious. It's because it's incredibly high quality. It's because, you know, this is the food that you want to be eating. And I think that telling that story, and I think that just really always, you know, leading with that, leading with the, the entrepreneurs themselves, like how incredible they are, how talented they are, how deserving of all of the, you know, if they open a restaurant or if they get any press, like it's not because of La Cocina, it's because of them. It's because of how incredible their food is. Like, as you know, you know, with Noodle Girl. Um, And I think that we've just always said that. And then eventually people heard it. They listened, they paid attention. Yeah, definitely. And what was your experience growing up in the U.S. as a child of Mexican immigrants? And how has that shaped your motivation for working with La Casina? I mean, I grew up speaking Spanish. I grew up, you know, going back and forth um, from Mexico a lot with them. You know, my my parents were, you know, immigrants. They came to the U.S., but like my aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents, everybody is in Mexico for the most part, although some of my cousins and aunts and uncles have moved to the States since. But I, you know, I, so I grew up really kind of bicultural, bilingual and, and understanding that there's so much richness to that. Like, I feel like it make, has always made my life more interesting and better. And it's something that I feel really lucky about. And I... No, it's not how everyone else feels about immigrants, unfortunately, but I think that it's certainly how I've always felt um, about the experience of of having parents who are foreign, um, you know, who see things in a different way, who communicate about things in a different way. It's like added so much richness to my life. And I, so I think that I connect with other people either who are immigrants or who are like second generation or, you know, the first, the first ones who are here, which a lot of our La Cocina participants are. Some people are immigrants themselves. Some people, their parents are immigrants. And I just think that there's kind of this common sense that you, and then, I mean, maybe it's, 
to me, but I, but I know a lot of other, a lot of other people who feel that way, which is like, you got so lucky that you kind of have to pay it forward. You know, like you want to, you want to be able to like provide other people with a connection to another country or another culture, another language, because it's such a, such a positive thing for you. And I think that La Cocina is, all of the La Cocina participants do that through food. You know, it's like, um, Hang gets to share so much of herself and of, you know, growing up in Vietnam and what that tasted like and smelled like, you know, with people here, it's such a, it's such a gift, right. That she's able to like offer to people. And I really connect with that, you know, because like when I, and, you know, feeling homesick or missing my parents, like I can go to El Buen Comer and, you know, and have Isabel feed me. And she's from Mexico City, which is where my family is from. And like that, those flavors and that connection, you know, is really meaningful. And so I think that that's probably what drew me to La Cocina is like a lot of other people also trying to share a, an aspect of who they are based on what their culture is, whether it be American or, you know, from a different country. I think that that's something that I... um you know, just am attracted to and care a lot about, I guess. And then also specifically, I think, I mean, I don't know, my parents just sort of instilled in me, like, how important social justice is, and, and how we all have to sort of do our part to try to shape the world into the kind of world that we know is, you know, more, more right, um, and that we want to, that we want to see around us. And so, I mean, certainly, I think that that comes from them for me, and as part of, um, yeah, part of why I work at La Cocina for sure. Definitely. And and I'm currently in a master's program where in a class of 25 people, there may be 15 different countries represented. And it really truly is just one of the most incredible things that I've been a part of. And in your kitchen, you may have someone from Nepal, India, El Salvador, Jamaica, and Mexico in one day. And I'm just wondering, like, how special is that for you? It's amazing. I mean, I've worked at La Cocina for 13 years, um, which is a really long time. <laughs> and I think that part of that is because it's because of all of those people. You know, it's because I get to, I mean, not during COVID, sadly, but, you know, I got to walk into that kitchen and, like, experience all of those different, you know, sounds and languages and flavors and so many people sort of pouring their passion into these businesses and wanting to share something of themselves with, um, with their customers. There's something really amazing about that. You know, there's something really brave about it, right? Cause it's scary and it's hard to start a business. And, and I just think that it's like, there's something so human about, about, you know, sharing your food, wanting to feed people that I really connect with. And I feel incredibly lucky to, to have been surrounded by people and to have learned from these women who are from all over and who have had such different life experiences, you know, who bring like so much of themselves to the businesses. I, I, I certainly have learned so much from each of them. And yeah, it's, it's, it's what has kept me at La Cocina for so long. And how powerful of a tool would you say food is in fighting for social issues? Because I feel Bold News only had the most engagement when we had the film screening of Ghost Fleet, which was talking about human trafficking in the fishing industry. And I think having issues that you can frame in a way that actually touches someone on practically an everyday basis, like through food, mm -hmm. can be so effective and important. I agree, I agree. I feel like, you know, eating is so basic, <laughs> you know, you have to do it multiple times every day. And when you, you can eat very mindlessly, right? That's certainly a choice. But I feel like if you're somebody who's interested in 
social justice or racial justice, you know, if you start to think about the food that you're eating, you know, even, I don't know, you grab an apple as your snack, like someone planted that apple tree, (laughs) someone picked that apple. How did that apple get to you? You know, like there's so many people involved in food. And if it's something more complicated, right. If it's like a jerk chicken, like where did those flavors come from? Where did those spices come from? Why is this so delicious? you know, you begin to, I mean, sure, it's chicken, but you're, what you're really thinking about is all of the different people who were involved in the creation of that dish and who are a part of, you know, really making, um, like feeding you of of like sustaining you. (laughs) And so I think that what's nice about food is that it's something positive. It's something generally that, you know, brings people together. You can share a meal And then, you know, if you want to have a conversation about sort of, I mean, gosh, it could be anything like, let's say, why, you know, why is someone less willing to pay, you know, money for a banh mi than, or, you know, willing to pay less money for a banh mi than they are for like a meatball sub somewhere, you know, what's that about? And it's about racism, right? It's about globalization. It's about all these different things, but like, it's very concrete, like, why are banh mi's $2 and meatball subs $14 and everyone seems okay about that? Um, you know, dig into that, like understand what that, why is that? And and those, you can have such interesting and good conversations with someone where it's like very concrete. Oh, it's the sandwich and it's made by a different person who looks different and who has different power within our society. Okay, like that's something that I can sort of wrap my head around. Whereas I think, you know, I mean, you can have that same conversation about a lot of things, but it's not as... Um, maybe it's not as relatable or, you know, maybe people just don't like understand it in the same way because it's not something that they can touch or feel um, like food is. So I, I, I agree with you that I think it's a really good mechanism um, to be able to try to have those conversations. Definitely. And you also put out a cookbook recently, which for the record helps me get through the different lockdowns <laughs> this summer. That's awesome. <laughs> the, the book is titled We Are La Cocina, Recipes in Pursuit of the American Dream. So I'm wondering, what is the American dream to you in regards to your entrepreneurs? That's such a good question. And gosh, we went around so many, so many different things when it came to picking that book title. But what it actually was, was a phrase that the entrepreneurs kept using. The women who are featured in the book, that's their phrase. Um, you know, it, it wasn't like our phrase necessarily. And so I think that what I in the same way that I, you know, want to always have like the entrepreneurs leading when it comes to La Cocina, you know, when it came to the title of the book, like this is their dream. This is what they want. You know, this is their, um, their passion is to take these recipes, to take this talent that they have in the kitchen and to be able to start a business. And, you know, it takes, as you read the stories in the book, lots of different forms, right? For some people, it's about starting a family business that their kids can, you know, um, inherit someday. For some people, it's about creating jobs for others um, because they worked in the food industry for a long time. And that's sort of how they see um, their place in in that kind of ecosystem. Um, For some people, it really truly is sort of like what they dreamt about when they were in the country that they came from. Like I think Nafi uses that phrase specifically in her story. She's um, from Senegal and, you know, she was like, I just want to move to America and start a business. You know, that was her dream. And now, you know, here she is and she's doing it. So I just think that there's there's so many different reasons why people start businesses. There's so many people, so many different reasons why people immigrate. I mean, there's so many 
um, there's so many different stories in that cookbook, but I think ultimately what La Cocina tries to do, tries to make available for people is like the pursuit of your passion. You could say dream or you can say passion, but like, you know, not everybody gets to have a job that they like dream of having, right? Some people just have a job because it pays the bills. And, you know, I think that for a lot of the women at La Cocina, making food for others and, and having their own business to do it really is something that they feel like so much passion for. Um, it's what they want to be doing. And so it's nice that, that that is reflected, I think, in throughout the cookbook and all of their stories. But really, that's sort of it's their phrase. And, you know, I think a large part of my audience may be people who really feel overwhelmed by all the problems there are throughout the world. But when reading through the cookbook, I just see the adversity of these women and how no matter what gets thrown at them, they just keep pushing forward. What is it about these chefs that you have seen that make them so strong and persevere despite the challenges that they faced? You're so right. <laughs> that is definitely a theme for all of them. Sometimes I sort of think about like the connection between sort of like being an entrepreneur and being a survivor, you know, like, like being, you know, somebody who is like gonna make it happen their way, like no matter what, you know, like they just, it, it, it it's so hard to own your own business. It, it, you know, entrepreneurship is not, it's not for everybody, but I think that like the cross section of people who really thrive um, as entrepreneurs, like as you know, um, business owners and people who are really willing to like work hard, like you said, you know, face all of the different challenges and just deal with them, you know, really focus on, I'm going to make it work. It's, they're like connected, they're connected skills. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's so many of the women in the program who like have traveled a super long way, have, you know, wound through lots of different jobs, have, you know, raised kids, like so many different things that are challenging to do, but like they, they do it, they make it and they, um, you know, they take that grit and like that um, perseverance, I guess, and then apply it to their business, which is, I think, part of what makes them so successful. And have there been any entrepreneurs that have been particularly inspiring? Oh man, all of them. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I have, you know, friendships with so many of them. And also, um, so I became a mom recently, recently, -ish, my daughter's um, a year and a half. And, you know, so I worked at La Cocina for a very long time before I had kids. And I think for me, like, it has been so inspiring to, to watch so many moms start their own business and to see how they, you know, we all talk about like, how do you juggle motherhood and working? And, you know, like, it's one thing if you know, you're going to get paid every two weeks and a different thing, if you have to make that paycheck for yourself and for others while also, you know, nurturing and caring for children. And I just, the there's, I mean, there's so many women at La Cocina who are moms, but like, you know, I just think about them. I think about them and how, yeah, just how they do it. <laughs> I'm in awe, you know, um, because it's, it's so much. It's like, there's so many things that you're having to juggle and figure out. And it's just so inspiring, um, you know, to, for women like, like Nafi, who I mentioned before has three sons, they're all relatively young. And she, you know, she's like making her business work while also, you know, having like three little kids who are less than 10 years old. Like it's, 
it's really incredible. Um, Dilsa, the owner of Los Cilantros, that's here in Berkeley. I live in Berkeley. And, you know, her two kids are amazing. They're just like, they're there in the restaurant with her. Um, you know, they're like doing their homework. And I just, I feel like, you know, what an incredible thing to be able to balance, you know, being the boss, having employees, um, and then also, you know, being a mom and, and, and raising good kids, like their, their kids are all amazing. So I, that, I feel like those are particularly inspiring for me are, are people, um, because I get, because of what I'm going through, uh, are the moms. That's great. And something that has been in the works for a while is the La Casina marketplace. Yes. It's a food hall in the Tenderloin making history as the country's first enterprise composed entirely of women-led food operations. First of all, again, that's amazing, but can you talk more about that and why this is so important? Yeah, so it's interesting. It's such a long time coming. I think, God, it was maybe like five or six years ago, we sat down to do strategic planning just as an organization. Like, where do we want to go? What do we want to focus on? You know, what are the things that we really want to do? And at that time, it was becoming sort of clearer and clearer that the real estate situation, like the how expensive real estate was in San Francisco was really becoming untenable. Like all, basically all of our graduations, so people moving out of the incubator program into their own restaurant spaces were happening out to the East Bay. Um, some to like, you know, the kind of out, outer parts of San Francisco, but like really, you know, we were just having such a hard time finding places for people kind of downtown because it was just so expensive. And so we thought, you know, what a shame right? That like the city that we um, are based in that has for such a long time been such a landing place for immigrants from all over the world that, you know, have started restaurants, have created, you know, economic opportunity for themselves and for their communities. Like that's no longer possible because of how expensive it is. And so we thought, you know, we could do it differently, right? Like if we owned a building or if we were able to get a space you know, we would want to be able to prove that there is an economic model where you can, you know, have lower rent and still and, and create like a really incredible space and something that's like more sustainable and where small businesses can really thrive, where you it's not just like chains or, you know, really hugely invested in businesses that can be um, that can be present in this like kind of downtown area. And so you know, we had been thinking about that. And then there, the city actually, there was this big post office. It's downtown. I mean, it's, it's in the Tenderloin. It's sort of near a civic center, like near city hall. And the post office was no longer being used as a post office. And so the city wanted to figure out like what else it could be used for. And so we decided to apply to turn it into a marketplace where seven different entrepreneurs could have stalls, be a shared use kitchen and people could produce out of there and it's city owned property. So they, you know, they control the rent. And so we were able to get a really good lease. And so it's really exciting. I mean, it's, you know, obviously COVID has changed a lot of things and we're unable to open still, even though it's completed, you know, from like a safety perspective, but, you know, we are going to be starting to do like a soft opening soon where people are going to be able to get, you know, takeout and delivery from that space. And we're really looking forward to, you know, everybody being able to, you know, get vaccinated and eventually be able to open safely for the public. But what's significant about it is that, you know, it's seven small, small to tiny <laughs> businesses run by women of color who, you know, otherwise I don't think would be able to, to operate spaces in San Francisco um, because it's, because it's become so expensive. They're small spaces and, you know, it's a place for them to be able to get started. And it's just really exciting, you know, to, to have that opportunity. 
certainly the the real estate game has changed and you know what rents are costing now is very different than they were you know a year ago but it still feels very significant you know for these businesses to get a chance to to have like a permanent home um right in kind of the heart of san francisco so that's kind of the the evolution and and where we're at now uh with that project well i definitely can't wait to try once i'm back in san francisco and last question something i ask to everyone what would you say to someone who wants to make a positive impact but has no idea where to start? Mm. Um, there's that little chart, <laughs> the little circles, I don't know what it's called, like where it's, you know, the things that you're good at and the things that you enjoy and like the things that the world needs, that image. I really think that if you want to dedicate yourself to, you know, making the world a better place or, you know, to social justice, to racial justice, whatever, whatever your issue um, is, it has to be something that you personally care really deeply about um, because it's not the easiest work. And so I think that in the same way that, you know, if you want to start a food business, you have to be really passionate about doing that. I think that if you want to dedicate your professional life to, or, or part of your life to, whether it be volunteering or whatever, um, just social justice work, like it has to really drive you because, you know, it's, it's harder than other jobs. Um, but when you hit that sweet spot, like when, like for me, right, where I get to be working with women from, you know, all over the world who are so incredibly talented and so incredibly passionate about what they're doing, it like makes some of the hard stuff easier because it's like what I want to be doing. It's like what I, how I want the world to look. Um, it like makes sense for me and it like, you know, it really fulfills me. So I think that really, and, and, and it's partially cause like, I love food. I love other languages. I love other cultures. I love, you know, um, the idea of women being successful, like all, all of those things really fuel me. And so that's like what makes this work so perfect for me. So I think that if I didn't care about food, it wouldn't be that fun of a job. If I didn't care, you know, about learning from, you know, people from all over the world, like when I walked into the kitchen and there was some kind of conflict because not everybody speaks English, that would be really stressful and terrible instead of like this cool thing that I get to try to figure out with everybody, you know, because like that act of translation is something that I, that I really love. So yeah, I think you have to figure out what your things are, like what you yourself feel the most um, passionately about, because that's, what's going to make you successful in that, um, in that quest, in that work. Um, yeah, definitely figure out what you, what makes you tick <laughs> or what makes you mad or what, you know, what are the things that you want to really dig into and, and then try to find something in that realm. Well, that's great advice. Thank you so much for joining the Bold Moves Only podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Okay, thank you all for listening. If you're in the Bay Area, I highly recommend you check out some of the La Casina restaurants and definitely go check out the La Casina Marketplace. And if you're not in the Bay Area, you can buy the book. Have a great day and let's be bold.